Good morning. Our Bible reading this morning is from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 to 20, and this is the parable of the sower. Jesus again began to teach beside the sea. A crowd gathered around him, so big that he got up into a boat and sat out on the sea, while the whole crowd remained on land by the sea. Jesus began to teach them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was sowing, some fell by the road and birds came and devoured it. Others fell upon the rocks, where there wasn't much soil. Because the soil was shallow, the seed shot up immediately, but when the sun rose, the plant was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered. Other seed fell among the thorns. The thorn bushes grew up alongside the seed and choked it. It did not produce fruit. Still, other seed fell upon the good soil. And when it came up and grew, it produced fruit. One seed multiplied 30 times, another 60 times, another 100 times. He then said to them, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. When Jesus was alone, the people around him, along with the twelve, asked him about the meaning of the parables. He said to them, The mystery of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything happens in parables, so that though they look, they may look and not perceive. Though they hear, they may hear and not believe, lest they turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some are like the seed by the road where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and snatches away the word sown among them. Some are like the seed sown upon the rocks who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root in themselves and last only a moment. When pressure or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like the seed sown among the thorns. These are the people who hear the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, And the desire for future things come and choke the word and make it unfruitful. But there are those, like seed sown among the good soil, who hear the word, accept it, and produce fruit. One seed multiplies 30 times, one 60 times, another 100 times. Thanks, Simone. Good morning. Uh, my name is Langdon. Special welcome to you uh, if you're visiting with us or you're just welcome to everybody. Um, we're going to look at God's word this morning. Pray with me that God's spirit is going to make it clear for us. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, as we look at this parable this morning, we ask for your spirit, Lord. What does it mean? What does it have to say to us? How does it change us? 
Uh, we ask for only what you can give to, to make it alive for us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one of the things that I'm excited to do, I haven't done for a while, is go on a plane. Um, hopefully in a couple of weeks I'll be able to go on a plane, see my parents down in Melbourne, look forward to it. One of the things about going on a plane is, there's always these predictable things. One of the things is that safety video. Does anybody watch the safety video? Oh, you guys are good. Because I tell you what, I've been on planes and look, you get to that, oh, here's the safety video again. Boring, seen it And I get a little arrogant, you know. I've heard this before. I know it all. I know that I have to fit myself before my children. I know the exits are here, here, and you know, all that sort of hoo-ha. I don't need to know that. And I get a bit arrogant too because I hate flying and one of the things that calms me down is like having music on the takeoff and landing, right? So I would not only hear the video, ignore the video, but then I would not even do what it says because they used to say, oh, you can't play, you know, take your electronic items out. I'd be like, no, I'm ignoring that because let's be honest, what plane has ever crashed because someone listened to their Walkman or their, do you know what I mean, or their iPod or, do you know um, You know? I don't have a Walkman anymore. If I did, it'd be worth something probably. But we, we ignore these things, don't we? Because we go, yeah, been there. I don't need to think about that anymore. What if I knew that that plane was going to crash? Do you think I'd be watching that video? Now, mind you, I would probably get off the plane a bit more. you know. But if I knew that plane was in trouble, I'd be watching that safety video attentively. I'd be reading, I'd be looking for every bit of information, I'd be asking questions, I'd be chasing down the, the um, stewardess, steward people to tell me how do I... I'd be practicing the brace position, you know. This is what I'd do if I knew the crash was going to come. I'd be fully embracing that. I wouldn't just whiz past that message. And we're going to be thinking this morning in this parable, uh, along with Jesus, about this message that invites us, because uh, invites us to know more, because the gospel, as it's shared, is actually an invitation, a quiet invitation, but an invitation to find out more. And the gospel invites us, if we choose, to completely embrace it. Um, and, and maybe you know what this is like, you know, if I go and read or watch the Lord of the Rings movie, it's, I might just watch it and go, yeah, that was a nice movie, move on. But there's also an invitation there. If I want to go hardcore, I can read the books, I can read the other books, I can join the forums, I can, you know, there's an invitation there that I can go deeper. And maybe you've experienced this, you've, been in a, you've worked in an industry where you know if you want to get really get into it, you've got to go hardcore. You've got to make it everything. There's an invitation there to go deeper. And this is what the gospel is doing. And this is what we're looking at in this parable. So we're going to have a look at this parable, the parable of the sower or the soils. But first, let's just think about parables for a second. Because some people say, oh, parables are like illustrations. They're great. They make it clearer. They make it easier to understand. This is wrong. This is not what a parable is for. You know what a parable does? As Jesus would tell them, they make it harder. They're confusing. They actually make it a little harder to understand. Um, and you might, you know, and this is why Jesus did this. He actually spoke in parables, uh, and there's a sense in some ways to confuse. But when someone hears a truth in a parable, it's not always clear. And it invites them to go and, and embrace it, to seek the truth more of that parable. 
Uh, this is why uh, Jesus says in verse 9, whoever has ears, let them hear. More than that, a parable can be opened up, can be revealed only through God. God is the one that will reveal what is going to be in the parable. In verse 10, uh, Jesus says, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they can be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding, lest they uh, turn and be forgiven. When the parables are shared, uh, there'll be two types of, I guess, people that will hear them. Uh, For some, as this truth is given them, uh, it will lead to them seeking more truth. And this is what happens with the case of the others and the disciples. They, Jesus shares his disciples. And they come to him afterwards, don't they? And they say, please tell us more. They've got a desire to know more and they go and seek that from Jesus. And Jesus is gracious and he gives them more behind that. They hear it, they want to pursue more. And it doesn't mean they get it straight away. Sometimes when you read through Mark, you'll see the disciples are slow. They don't get it straight away. They're not always the smartest, you know. But they're seeking it. They're pursuing it. They're they're, they're failing along the way, but they're, they're getting it. Because Jesus reveals the truth to them as they seek it. But for others who hear these parables, it's going to be like that message just whizzing past. It's going to go in one ear, out the other. Jesus refers to them as outsiders. Though they hear and they see, they do not perceive. It just doesn't penetrate. It doesn't go in. They need the Holy Spirit to bring these truths to light. And often the more the parable, the more the gospel is shared, the more the message of the kingdom comes in, the harder the hearts can get. This is hard. This is hard even for us to think through. And Mark shares this at the beginning of Mark's gospel because he's saying, I'm going to share some of Jesus' parables as we go through the gospel and I want you to be aware, I want you to look in deeper. I don't want you to, he invites some people to look in deeper at these parables. He doesn't want his readers to miss out on the kingdom of God. But as he shares as well, he's also giving a picture uh, as he tells this parable of how people throughout Mark's gospel are going that Jesus encounters are going to receive the message that Jesus has. He gives these little pictures. When we look at parables, the other really helpful thing to do is to think about who were these parables aimed at? Who, who was the audience for these parables? And this particular parable, it had two audiences, didn't it? Had firstly the people, the crowd, that first telling. And it's a message from Jesus essentially saying, uh, you're going to receive my message in different ways. When you hear my message, you're going to receive it in different ways. But when he talks to the disciples afterwards, it's a bit of a training exercise for them. He's saying to them, when you guys share this message, this is how it's going to be received. This is how it's going to be received. So let's have a look at the parable together. If you've got your Mark's Gospel, we're going to have a look at verse 3. Jesus says, tells the parable, he says, listen, a farmer goes out to sow his seed. What is the seed? The seed is God's word. Who is the farmer? Who is the sower? The sower is two. The sower, firstly, is Jesus. Jesus is the sower uh, in the book of Mark. 
He was going to come and renew Israel. He was going to bring in his kingdom. How was he going to bring in his kingdom? This this so blows my mind. He was going to bring in his kingdom by bringing in his word. By preaching his word. This is the way God is bringing his kingdom. By bringing in his word. It might seem slow. It might seem unfruitful. And as Jesus does that, it's going to lead to his persecution, betrayal and his death and his resurrection. But he's going to do this by his word. It's why Shane, uh, uh, last week, uh, shared uh, from Mark 3 where it said, 3.14, he appointed 12 that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach. This is why the gospel going out was so important to Jesus and core to Jesus' mission, that he would even equip the the apostles to do that because this is how Jesus is bringing his kingdom in and it's how one responds to Jesus words as to whether they are included or excluded in his kingdom so Jesus in Mark is the sower but it's also right to say that the sower is also anybody who shares God's word And that would be Jesus' disciples, as we read through Mark. But it also translates to all those who throughout history have sought to plant God's word. And that means, you know, all the people on a Sunday today around the world, people are getting together, people are sharing God's word with each other. It's all the churches meeting around the world. It's all the evangelists at work. It's all the people in all the communities who are sitting down with workmates, who are uh, chatting to their families and sharing God's word. It's every time you have a conversation, you are like Jesus in this parable, being the sower, sowing God's word, bringing in God's kingdom. This is what we do. It's what we're invited to do. And what does the farmer do? The farmer spreads the seed, casts the seed, and he spreads it everywhere. He knows there is soil everywhere, and he's just on a he's just scattering seed everywhere. He's doing it. Now, to some, you read this parable and go, is this a good farmer? Because this farmer, he's just spreading seed everywhere. You know, we're gonna see the seed go out on the path, on the rocky places, in the amongst the thorns, or in the good soil. That's what we're gonna be talking about here. But this farmer's just spreading it everywhere. Why doesn't he just aim for the good soil? The farmer sowing the seed as represents this is what the farmer does. He puts the seed everywhere because he is looking for where that soil is. And he's going to plant it everywhere because he knows that anywhere there could be this good soil that he's going to look at. I want to thank Bruce Robertson. Uh, he's put this little thing to, for us together to hopefully visualize it. Uh, Hopefully this will be helpful for us today. But I want to go through these four soils uh, that for us today of where the seed will go. The first one Jesus talks about is the soil. I'll put that there. Hopefully on the screen can see it clearly. The soil, uh, the first place is the seed goes on the path. Now you can see here, Bruce has put together a nice brick here. This is what a path is like, though, isn't it? A path is the place where it's trampled on, people walk past. Is a seed going to get in there? It's really not. It's really not. As he was sowing, some seed fell uh, by the road or the path, and the birds came and devoured it. So the seed doesn't even penetrate. It gets on there, and what happens? The birds come along. Has anyone ever tried to grow grass before? 
anyone being successful. I remember uh, my friend, late Richard Harvey, he was trying to grow some grass, and uh, he was there watering it every night, and he's scattering this. And you know what happened? The birds would come along. Does anyone have this happen to them? Does it drive you crazy? I've never tried to grow grass, but I'll tell you what I did do a couple of, a month or two ago. Have you seen out the back deck, we put some lights out on the back deck, right? We've tried to do that. It's getting dark at winter, a little fun and nice out on the back deck. Do you know what's happened? We've got three strings. I went to Bunnings. I confess I spent $40 of church money on a string of lights. The one at the back is near a bush, and do you know what's happened? The cockatoos came, and they chewed it. And now the lights don't go so far. And there I am. I come in one day. There's a cockatoo chewing it. Go away, cockatoo. Nothing I can do. Because you talk to them, but they don't listen, do they? I tried. And this is where I relate to Jesus. He's like, ah, Satan, cockatoo. No, we like cockatoos. Pro cockatoo. But this is what Jesus says. Verse 15. Some are like the seed by the road where the word is sown. When they hear, immediately... Satan, like the birds, comes and snatches away the word that was sown in them. The word goes and it's snatched away by Satan. And Jesus is saying, when the word goes out, you've got to remember. And maybe, you know, Shane talked a bit about it last week. Mark's already talked about the work of Satan already. We don't tend to think like this in our Western nation maybe in our church uh, background, but we've got to be living in the reality because this is the reality for Jesus. Satan is at work. And what is Satan's number one job? He'll tell you a million different things, is to distract, to stop people from coming into God's kingdom. He's going to use a myriad of ways, a myriad of methods to stop people coming into God's kingdom. This is his job. And so when the word goes out, You've got to know that Satan is going to be right there doing everything he can. To. Satan is going to be right Take it away before it can even germinate, like those birds. It's like the seed, it just never cuts to the surface. Uh, I used to uh, work at a church, work with a church in South Carolina, a place called Kiwa. Uh, so, in a place, uh, and we used to uh, uh, have an Easter service at this beach in Kiwa. Now, Kiwa, if you. Uh, watching the golf this weekend. You can see the PGA Championship has been played there. But this was the closest beach to where the church was. And so we would get people, 100, 200 people, come along uh, to church on a Sunday. But at Easter time, we'd have this sunrise service at Kiwa. And it would get, I kid you not, like thousands, like five or 6,000 people would turn up on Easter morning. And they would sing, they would say amen, they would know all the word, you know, they'd sing along. And the gospel would go out. How many people, do you think 6,000 people turn up to church next week? No. Because, and I talk to people, I'd be like, great, what do you think, you know? And you're really excited, why did you come? Well, we come to church, we always have its tradition. And they would hear the gospel proclaimed. But it just wouldn't go in. Just come in, go out, and their lives would move on. And this is a reality. Satan is at work. Stopping people, distracting people from fully embracing from accepting that invitation to come into the gospel. This is Satan's work. So that is the seed on the path. But Jesus also says there's also the seed that goes into the rocky places. Verse 5, other seed fell upon 
the rocks where there wasn't much soil. The soil was shallow, the seed shut up immediately, but when the sun rose, the plant was scorched because it had no root, it withered. Jesus goes on in verse 16. Some, uh, you know, this is like when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves, lasts only a moment. When pressure or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Now, there may be good soil here. And when the seed goes in, it flourishes, it blooms, it lights up, it finds it. And it's beautiful. And maybe you've seen, you've been involved in an evangelistic event or you've seen different things happen and you've seen people hear the gospel and they say, yes, I love it, I'm jumping on board with that. You know, but over time, something soon, they burn brightly and then it just goes away. And you ask, where is that person? What happened? You know, we had a number of people uh, at our Easter services, you know, respond back to us and say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. But we haven't had that number of people uh, continue to join us, to come and, and be here on Sunday. Or, you know, there's a reality that people are going to hear, it's the, the, the word is going to find some soil, it's going to bloom, but then it's, then it's going to wither. And Jesus says, this is going to happen when pressure or persecution comes. Years ago, I was, uh, used to catch the train, and uh, there was a lady, uh, and I used to come, I would read my Bible on the train up to Sydney, and there was a lady who would also be reading a religious book, and we'd always be on the same carriage together, as you would do, and we started chatting one day, and we went shared back and forth, she shared from her religious book, I shared from my religious book, and uh, we got in these great gospel conversations, we must have exchanged numbers at one point, because... She said to me, uh, my husband would love to chat to you. And I remember thinking, great, I'm going to get to go chat to her husband. And I met her husband in town one day. He asked me to stop sharing uh, with uh, his wife. (laughs) And so I don't know what happened there. um, But I'm imagining there was some pressure to not talk to me anymore. I hope that um, the conversations we had, I hope she got to read uh, the Bible. I hope she got to pursue. I don't know. But there's a reality of when the gospel goes out, it might find seed, but there is going to be pressure. There's going to be pressure from all sides uh, to believe, to take it in. And that pressure is going to have an effect. And sometimes that's what happens to the gospel. You know, in someone's life, it can hit these rocky places, but the pressure comes in different ways, all different ways, and it can wither. Sometimes my experience is that people find the good soil Uh, There are people who take in the gospel and say, I want to take in the gospel because I see something in Jesus and I want to trust Jesus for that thing. And I hear the gospel, I'm going to accept the gospel because I see how that will fulfill a need that I have. But sometimes as they go on, they realize, actually, you know, I know it fulfills that need, but it has all these other implications, there's pressure. I can't deal with that, I'm letting it go. Sometimes people will trust in Jesus for something instead of trusting in Jesus fully. So they trust in Jesus for something, they bloom, but then they realize, actually, I've got to fully trust in Jesus? No, not for me. I'm walking away. This is the reality. Then there's the third one that Jesus talks about. Now, Bruce, he's done an awesome job for me here. Look at this lovely soil here. But the seed has gone in amongst the thorns, amongst the wheat. Look at what Jesus says, verse 7. 
the thorn bushes grew up alongside the seed and choked it. Here the seed finds a soil that grows, but alongside is the weeds. Jesus says in verse 18, Others are like seed sown among the thorns. These are the people who hear the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for future things come and choke the word, making it unfruitful. It's a bit reminiscent if you want to go and look at Matthew 13, there's the parable of the weeds there, where a man sows weeds in the field, but his enemy comes along. Sorry, a man sows the crop of wheat, but his enemy comes along and sows in the weeds next to him. And the, and the man says to his servants, uh, who ask him, should we pull it up? Should we start again? He says, no, because when you're pulling out the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until harvest. And at that time, uh, I will tell the harvesters, collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Here is this idea of the, the good seed growing up but as it grows up, it's good. But as it grows up, it's got these other weeds that are slowly choking it and having an effect. This seed is not lost quickly to the birds. It's not you know, quickly withering in the sun. This is seed that grows and grows, but then it's slowly choked from the weeds around it. And you know, this can be people who proclaim that people who follow Jesus. And this is a real danger and a warning for us. You know, we can say we follow Jesus and there are times we did, we gave our life to Christ, but there's a danger that over time, if we're not continuing to pursue and follow Jesus, you know, we can start to put our priorities in other places, can't we? And it's like these weeds just choking us, choking us out. And we can come to church, we can be involved in ministry, we can have a leadership, all those things. But if on a daily basis we're not continuing to do and follow and pursue Jesus, we're going to get choked. It's hard. We're all in danger of this. Maybe for some people in this situation, they've just given enough. And they get to the point, I just can't give anymore. And it gives a chance for these weeds and things to choke it. For some people get to that point, they just feel burnt out or feel underappreciated. And it's a chance for these weeds to come in and choke. Or some people have come and been planted, but they've suffered. They've, they've felt that persecution. They've felt that. And the weeds have just choked them out. Or for others, it's, not, it's nothing bad's happened, but just over time, following Jesus, seeking his kingdom, hasn't been the priority, hasn't kept up. It's the danger for all of us. And it's the dangers these thorns come and choke the seed in the soil. Well, the last soil that Jesus puts up, if you can see that there, uh, this has been in my office over the weekend and I actually took a little seedling and I planted it in for this today and it's grown up, even in my dark office uh, over the weekend, is really cool. This can represent for us, this here, the good soil. Jesus says in verse 8, still other seed fell upon good soil. When it came up, it produced fruit. One seed multiplied 30, another 60, another 100 times. And Jesus explained this to his disciples. These are like those seeds uh, upon the good soil. You hear the word, accept it, and produce fruit. 
There are those who are going to hear these parables. There are going to those who are going to hear this message of the kingdom. They're going to put it into practice. They're going to let it penetrate into their heart. It's going to grow. They're going to pursue it. They're going to struggle with sin. They're going to struggle with understanding God's word and keep on understanding, keep on digging and digging and digging. And they're going to work hard at loving the Lord their God with all their heart, their mind, their soul, their strength. They're going to work hard to live it out. These are the people who invest in God's kingdom. Tell you what, I'm never going to own a house. Do you know why? Because I've never saved. I've never invested into owning a house. There's just a reality to that. If I don't invest in something, I'm not going to receive that. Uh, when I go fishing, I love to fish. Here's another fishing analogy. He probably gets sick of that. Oh, here's Langdon and his fishing analogies, whatever. But I catch fish. Do you know why I catch fish? And some people don't catch fish. I'll give you one reason. is You don't catch fish if you don't put a line in the water. Often I catch fish... Some, many times I don't. Sometimes I catch fish because I've actually got a line in the water because I invest in trying to catch a fish. If I'm going to invest in something, it's going to bear fruit. Some with a good soil is probably someone who is investing in God's kingdom. Now, what's the moral of the sermon? Therefore, let's all be good soil and let's invest in God's kingdom. No. Because do you know what makes good I encourage you to invest, by the way, in God's kingdom. But you know what makes the good soil good? It's actually not. It's actually not anything we do. It's actually not being good and doing those good investment things. Do you know what makes the good soil good? God does. What makes the soil receptive to the seed is what God does. What God's already done. As God the sower is also the one who who tills the soil. He's the one that prepares it. And it's not based on us. It's not based on, oh, I'm a good investor, I do all these things. When God's seed uh, penetrates a heart, it's because he's at work in it. Listen to what he says. It's in 1 Corinthians 3. It's what Paul writes. What is Apollos? What is Paul? Who are these people? Are they better or worse? They're only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each his task. Paul writes, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God. He makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labour, God is the one that makes the good soil. He is the one that's going to be at work making the good soil in someone. Jesus uh, alludes to this uh, later on in in, uh, Mark, in Mark chapter 4, further down. He says, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the earth. He might sleep or he might get up each day and night, but the seed still sprouts and grows regardless though he doesn't understand how. God is the one, he's the one making that good soil for the seed to go in. So as we talk about these soils, I'll bring them to the front here. I guess I've got a couple of questions this morning, because we go through it. Here's my questions. Which soil are you? And I ask this question for myself, which soil am I? 
Am I like the path? Am I like the rocky places? Am I like the soil with the thorns? Am I the good soil? And the other question to ask is, which soil would you like to be? Which soil would you like to be? Maybe a sermon, a parable like this, raises more questions than answers. It's not straightforward at all. But Jesus, like Jesus says to the people, he who has ears, let him hear. As we've gone through this parable today, what's God saying to you? Is he giving you an action to take, a, a prayer to pray? You're praying, God, give me your Holy Spirit. I want to be like the good soil. Has this sermon offended you? Or is this just another sermon, you know, forget about it, you know, on the way home, you know, it's already, it's already, you know. Who knows? Here's my encouragement this morning. My encouragement to us is, let us hear Jesus' words. But let us keep on, keep on hearing Jesus' words. And when we hear them, let us embrace them. Jesus' words are an invitation to keep on focusing, keep on seeking, keep on digging, keep on pursuing, even till it hurts. Even when it means pushing through the pain barrier. Even when it doesn't make sense. Keep on pursuing Jesus. Keep on struggling. Because you know the most dangerous place to be for a Christian is when we're not struggling with our faith. When it becomes numb for us. Keep struggling. Keep on encouraging each other to struggle. Keep on pursuing and loving Jesus with all your heart, with all our mind, with all your strength. Because we're like the soils, aren't we? But as well as we're like the soils... I want to encourage us this morning, we are also like the farmers. And as I think about the farmers, I have to, I'm encouraged and I'm challenged because Jesus calls his disciples to spread the seed. But like the farmer, to spread the seed everywhere. And this picks up on Mark chapter 1 when Jesus says to uh, those he's calling to be his disciples. What is it to be a disciple? In the same way of saying, you know, he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will have you involved in the process of bringing my kingdom, of bringing others to know it. Our role is to be people who sow that seed everywhere. But you know what we do? You know what I've done? We look at the soils amongst us, what we, in our own eyes, what we think the soils are, we go... I'm going to cast the soil there, but I'm not going to cast it in these places. Because I know this is good soil with my magical God knowledge. I know this, so, but I know that that person's not interested. I know that they don't care. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to cast the seed there. Is that what the farmer does? No. The farmer sows the seed everywhere. But what, what do we do sometimes? We examine the soil first, don't we? Will, it be inter- will they be interested? Will they... Be interested, it's going to take too long, you know. And look, if I think that, you know, it's not good soil, I'm not going to bother casting, casting the seed. That's us making the decision that God should make. That's us being God. God calls his farmers to sow the seed. I don't know where the good soil is. We don't know. But we're encouraged to sow that seed. Maybe we look at our ministries or we evaluate our mission. You know, we have a missions conference every year because we, a world missions conference, because we know that we're called as disciples to preach the gospel to all nations. And even for us, that's 
what we're all called to do. We want to be able to do that because we know we're called to send the seed everywhere. But sometimes we might say, should I support that missionary? Because we sent that missionary to this you know, European country and, and they weren't interested in the gospel. No one came to Christ, so that was a waste of money. We should give all the, the money to, to that missionary because they're seeing people come to Christ all the time. Is that missionary better than that missionary? Is that mission more important? No. We're called to scatter the seed. Should we support that ministry or do that ministry because that bears more fruit than we can see than the other or it comes up quicker? No, we're called not to decide. We're called to scatter the seed. That's what we need to do and it's the most exciting thing we can do. Sometimes we think, I'm not going to scatter the seed because sometimes we think, do you know what? I can't scatter the seed because, you know, it really depends on me as the sower, you know? What grows, you know, sometimes I think, you know, if I, I'm not a very good sower, I'm, not, I'm introverted, I, I'm not experienced, whatever the reason may be, I'm not going to scatter the seed because it's up to me. No. We're called to scatter the seed. What matters is what is God doing in the soil? What matters is the spreading of the seed. So I want to encourage us, Fig Tree, where to be like farmers. It's what we're called to do. And do you know one of the easiest ways we can do it here at church is to be welcomers. We have awesome welcoming teams, but they're also there to encourage and inspire us as well. You know, every week we get people who come and are part of our church, and if you're new or you're visiting with us, hugest welcome. Many people who visit our church are here because they're seeking to pursue Jesus, or they're seeking to know God or to answer the bigger questions. Just by taking five minutes after the service to look around, to chat to someone, or maybe after youth group or after your ministry, to look around and chat to someone you know, you might get into the opportunity to, to help plant those seeds, to help see where that soil is. It's the most exciting, awesome thing you can do uh, if you're willing. Be involved. You might want to give them a Mark's Gospel to help them in do that. Because seed, here's the thing, seeds grow in the most surprising of places. And our job is not to decide in advance where the seed is. Our job is to go and seek, plant the seed. You never know where the seed's going to grow, and you'll never know if you're not about planting seeds. And, but this passage also encourages us to ask big questions for us as a church. Will we be a people who look deeply into God's word? Will we be a people who produce a harvest? Will we continue to be a place that is about scattering seed, that is about planting God's word? Um, This church has been around for over 100 years. How amazing, where there's been faithful people planting God's word. Where's some of the fruit of that? Will we keep on being a church that does that? Or uh, will we be a church that is selective, about the people or the places that we plant seed? Will we be a people who are active and ready in sharing God's word? Will we always be a church that plants God, uh, that sows the seed of God's word? Uh, I'll finish with this. Earlier in January, I got the privilege of going to Tarthra. Does anyone know Tarthra? It's a little town down on the south coast. It's so beautiful down there. And I grew up... Uh, as a kid, we'd go there on holidays and we'd go fishing. And it's got this amazing fishing wharf. Um, and you can sit out there all day long. It's deep. Sorry, it's not a fishing analogy. I feel like Ian would always talk about Dylan and rock songs. Fishing's my thing. Pay me out if you want, but we'll go with it anyway. But here's, here's me sitting on the wharf as a kid catching fish. So good. 
And when I was down there as a kid, they were hardcore fishermen. We'd be up all night catching fish. So much, so much goodness. I haven't been there for years. And earlier in January this year, I got to go down there and I got to go down there. And you know what? They have this, uh, on the wharf, they used to have this, it used to be a whaling uh, place. I'm not saying whaling was a good thing. Glad that stopped. But they ha- it used to be a whaling station. And it was a place that it was for hardcore fishing. But when I went down in January, you know what they built there where the whaling station was? They put in a cafe. And at one level, awesome. Now I can sit there and I can, they can just bring me coffee. I can sit with my, I don't have to get up. It's great. Just bring it on. But when I was there, I caught a fish. Shocking, but true. I caught a fish and instead of being surrounded by people who are fishers, going, yeah, good mate, you know, I got all these people coming out from their coffees. And they started saying, what do you, you know, and I'm there, I'm trying to get a, get a, get a photo, and, I, and, you know, I'm taking my time with a fish, and I, fish can handle it. And, but as I do that, these people are gathering, oh, look, it's fish, oh, put it back, hurry up, put it back, put it back, put it back. I'm getting harangued to put the fish back. What are you doing fishing? It's a bad thing. I know. <laughs> oh, it brings me joy to hear say, but here's the thing. This was a place of fishing. But over time, this place has lost that purpose, hasn't it? It's become a place of comfortability. And I think there's a danger for me, there's a danger for us to go, are we about sowing the seed? Or have we forgotten our purpose in that? Are we as a church about seeking God's kingdom, seeking to plant God's word in God's kingdom? Or have we of a church like Tarthra forgotten what we're all about? We've become a place of comfortability. Is that in our hearts as well? What is our purpose? Are we about pursuing Jesus? Are we people that are going to embrace God's word? You know, maybe we were like that when we're young. You know, but are we going to be people that are going to be seeking peace to pursue it, to, to be seeking God, to be seeking Jesus? Or are we going to be comfortable? Are we going to forget that? I want to be people that pray, God, make me good soil. I want to be good soil. Fill me with your spirit, God. Fill our church with the spirit that we can be good soil, that we can, for your glory, produce a harvest 30, 60, or 100 times. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thanks for this word. It's such a hard passage. God, I'm sure for many of us, we've got to look into it further. We've got more questions than answers. Father, we pray, and I pray for us, Lord, would we be a people, a church that would fully embrace your kingdom, that would keep on pursuing, that would keep on digging, that would keep on seeking answers, keep on following you, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense. And I pray, Lord, that you would make, by your Holy Spirit, you would make this parable clear to us. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would be active in us. And Father, I pray that you would indeed make us good soil to produce a harvest 30, 60, or 100 times. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.